I recently spoke to one of Rewire.News' managing editors, Kat Jersich, about an experience we share. We both went to all-girls Catholic high schools. So there's one thing that we have in common. We both went to all-girls Catholic high schools. Yes, we did. Uh, mine was in Sacramento, California. And where, where was yours? Mine was in Wakefield, Massachusetts, but the school has since shut down since I was there, Oh, no. Actually. Yeah. Um, so you had mentioned before to me, you you went to the same high school that Greta Gerwig went to? It. She based her experiences in Lady Bird on her experiences at my high school, which was very weird. There's a scene in Lady Bird where... Did you, did you see it? You saw it, I right? did, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, that lady in the film I was watching it and I was like oh my god I know who that is because they would bring this speaker in every four years to basically say that verbatim and at 15 this girl was pregnant she decided that she was going to get an abortion it made sense it was the right thing to do she was sitting there because she the didn't get it in, and something deep inside of her said no Bingo. anyone want to guess who this woman is the young lady right here. You? No, it was not me. Um, your friend? No. The girl in the story was my mother. I am that baby that she decided not to abort. That could have been me. That could have been my fate. You know, I was, uh, she came in when I was 14. I was a sophomore. I was nowhere near having any kind of sex uh, and I kind of thought of it pretty abstractly. I was like, oh, okay, well, this doesn't really apply to me. But I do remember seeing girls like crying in the hallway after. And I just, at the time, I thought that like they were maybe ashamed or something of like having had premarital sex. But I mean, statistically, like those, at least some of those girls had had abortions, right? Like, I can't imagine what it would have been like to get an abortion and have to go to school. Also, you could be expelled for having an abortion. We didn't have a lecture like that at my school. Um, but I, I kind of feel like they didn't even need one. You know, they definitely had similar talks about adoption. There were several adopted people at school. I was one of them. And we were really held up as examples. And also, like, it was very cool to be Catholic where I w went to school. <laughs> so, like, to be not only, like, Catholic, but then to be held up as an example of the greatness of the Catholic Church, you know, that, right. that your mom didn't want to have an abortion because she was so Catholic. It's just like such propaganda. Yeah, I mean, if that's what you're learning in your formative years, it makes total sense that you would, um, I don't want to say like buy into feels really harsh, but I guess that's kind of what I mean. That like, yeah, you would, you would go along with that and feel it resonate with you. It was confusing and definitely had a profound effect on me. And in an indirect way, it was kind of the inspiration for this whole season. So the season is about teenagers, sex, and abortion, and what adults tell them, and what they don't tell them, and then what they expect from them, right? So this idea that teenagers and their parents are not really having healthy conversations about sex. Those, those conversations should be happening like when they're children, yet many teenagers are forced to involve their parents in their abortion decisions. That's a lot to unpack. Yeah, so it's been a journey, but here we are at the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
For Rewire.News, I'm Jen Stanley, and this is Season 4 of Choiceless. After Trump was elected president, I got a message from a high school classmate. I'm calling her Jane to protect her privacy. I hadn't really heard much from Jane since we graduated high school back in 2005. We were friends, got along, but hung out in different groups. Now, that meant something different where I went to high school because I graduated in a class with 34 girls, so we all knew each other pretty well. And for the most part, we got along, but like all high school relationships, they weren't perfect. Here's Jane talking about her experience at our high school, Our Lady of Nazareth Academy in Wakefield, Massachusetts. There was wonderful things about the school we went to. I do think it built relationships with each other, and it definitely... In classes, it was easier to speak out and stuff like that, but it was still a very conservative environment. Um, I know me and my, still to this day, my best friend, were like the only two non-Catholic people. I think there was like one or two others, but we were like the, we'd sit in the pews when everyone get a communion and stuff like that. Like you were definitely ostracized for even being like slightly not the, you know, Nazareth way. And Jane didn't really identify with the Nazareth way. She went to public schools growing up, but many of our classmates came from religious elementary schools or, in some cases, were taught at home. And Nazareth was very focused on Catholicism. We went to church, had religious ceremonies, our choirs all sang religious music. It was more than I was used to, even being raised in the faith. And Jane wasn't raised Catholic at all. Her family's values didn't really align with what we were being taught. But Jane was bullied in middle school. She describes that time as horrible, and she just needed to get out of her public school system. So she and her parents thought it would be best to go somewhere different, and Nazareth actually had a really good reputation for being a supportive environment for young women. And it was in a lot of ways. So she was able to overlook the fact that some of the school's policies and practices might not be in line with her own personal ethics. Uh, I do remember in high school, I had always grown up in a family that was very pro-choice and very open about talking about abortion, that women should be able to choose and that they should have safe access to those choices. So when I went to a Catholic school, not being Catholic... I knew the views would be a lot more conservative than what I had grown up with. But I do remember religion class a lot and how our teacher was very against it. I do remember her saying that it was like an abomination. Right. Many of the teachers were very anti-abortion. And the ones who weren't were careful not to voice their opinions. And that leads me to why I brought Jane on the show today. Freshman year of high school, she and I got into an argument about abortion in biology class. She was pro-choice, and I, well, it was complicated. Let me explain. I'm pro-choice. I've always been pro-choice in that I've always lived in a country where abortion was legal, and I've always thought that was right. But when I was a kid, when I was 14, being raised in a Catholic family, going to Catholic high school, and often being told that the reason I was alive and given a chance at life was that my birth mother was Catholic and that she wouldn't have an abortion. Being adopted is hard, and I'm just speaking from my own experience when I say that no amount of love or good intentions really reconciles how painful and complicated it can be to be adopted. 
especially the way the adoption system currently works. And I'd say I had the best possible circumstance. I love my parents. I get along with them. I have my sister. I have a great family. But it's still complicated. My birth mother was a teenager. I don't know her, but the story I was told is that she was Catholic and that's why she chose life. And it was important to my birth mother that I be raised in the faith. Being Catholic was not unusual. I'm from a Boston suburb. It's super Catholic there. And we weren't the most serious about religion. I went to CCD, which is the Catholic version of Sunday school, and we went to church sometimes, always on holidays and the days you get stuff, like Ash Wednesday or Palm Sunday. Our priests called Catholics like us C&D Catholics for Christmas and Easter. So, like Jane, our high school was still more religious than I was used to, only my experience was different. I'd gone to public school as well, and my adoption was pretty much a secret. Not explicitly so, but people didn't know, and when they found out, a lot of the kids in school were pretty terrible about it, so it always felt like a shameful secret. But when I went to Catholic school, suddenly my adoption wasn't shameful. It was something to be proud of. The narrative I was fed was similar to the anti-abortion lecturer in Lady Bird, basically that my birth mother was a sinner, but that she was redeemed by doing the most selfless thing you could do place a child for adoption, that maybe she couldn't raise me, but she also couldn't choose to kill me. That's a powerful thing to put in the mind of a 14-year-old who knows nothing about sex. I had never even kissed anyone romantically before, but I already feared sex, thinking it ended one of two horrible ways, in having to stay pregnant and give up a baby as punishment for having sex, or in becoming a murderer. As a 14-year-old, I was no match against Catholic propaganda. But obviously, things have changed. So when Jane reached out to me after the 2016 presidential election, she wanted to talk to me about my reporting and writing on human rights issues, particularly abortion. And I was really glad she did because I think of Jane often as someone who had their head right about these issues, which took me longer to learn. So... I told her that I'd been thinking a lot about her and an argument we had in biology class freshman year. She was passionately defending abortion, saying adoption can be really hard, that adoptees are known to have problems. I got really defensive, said, I have no problems, I'm great, and if my birth mother had chosen abortion, I'd be dead. Jane didn't remember us having this conversation, but she did remember that our biology teacher couldn't talk about abortion in class. So back in high school, in that class, Jane asked the teacher where she stands, and she answers that she has to end the conversation now. She says she could get fired for what she would say next. So I think of that day often in my work. And I was surprised that Jane didn't remember this conversation that had haunted me so much for my own stance in, for the things that I said, and more importantly, the way that I said them. But she didn't remember us arguing about abortion at all. As I found out from that conversation, she had a lot of her own stuff going on, too. So 
I yes, I know that I had very strong opinions about it, but I also did get pregnant at 15 years old and had to go through an abortion in this Catholic schoolgirl environment where it was pushed that, you know, I had done something wrong and, you know, I should have kept it and given it up for adoption. And although I think that is a wonderful choice, I know personally for me, it wasn't the right choice. I had started having sex at a really young age, 14 or 15 years old, and I remember in health class was probably the only experience I got to talking about sex in eighth grade, I guess, was right after or right before I had lost my virginity. And so I didn't know anything about birth control or even condoms. It was a very um, abstinence-centered discussion in health class. So when I started having sex, I did not take any precautions. So um, I remember it was Easter at uh, freshman year. And I hadn't gotten my period, and I knew kind of like I was very regular. It wasn't this was definitely something was up. So I took the test and found out I was pregnant. I was like horrified. Didn't want to tell my parents. Like we had talked about it, abortion before, but it, like I don't know for some reason I was way too scared to tell them. So do you think they knew you were having sex? Yes, I yeah definitely. And I do actually remember because I got morning sickness. A lot. I remember throwing up before school and my mom was like, are you pregnant? And I was like, no, God, why would you ever think that? Of course I was. And (laughs) um, luckily I had an older sister who um, was able to take me and actually pay for it so I wouldn't have to go through insurance. Um, And the state of Massachusetts didn't allow you to have an abortion without parental consent, but New Hampshire did. So I drove to New Hampshire and that's where I ended up going to get it in Concord, New Hampshire. By the time of this recording, 38 states currently require teens to involve a parent in their abortion decisions. Some of those states require consent, others just notification. At the time of Jane's abortion, New Hampshire did not require parental notification, but it does today. So a 14-year-old in Jane's exact situation would have to travel hours to get to a clinic now, either in Maine, Vermont, or Connecticut. Did you know, like, so you're pregnant at 15. Like, I knew nothing about the law or anything about the world at all Mm -hmm. at 15. What was that process like? How did you even know? So the internet, thank God. It was, uh, so I looked into clinics and then I saw uh, reading on the websites for Massachusetts that you had to be 18 unless you wanted to tell your parents. I was like, okay. And then I found some actually like blogs that had said like, okay, but there are other states like that will let you do it and stuff like that. So I looked into a New Hampshire happened to be one of those states and it was close enough. And I actually was able to have somebody be able to transport me and take me. So I lucked out in that way. Unlike the clinic she looked at in Massachusetts, the closest clinic she could find in New Hampshire did not offer general anesthesia. So she had to be awake, which she didn't like. I think the most traumatizing thing for me about it the first time was being awake and actually having to like hear the noises of everything that's going on. Um, but yeah, it was so uncomfortable. Even just like the procedure itself, being awake for it. And, you know, my, my sister was holding my hand and I just remember like she was like crying. And I'm like, oh my God, should I be like more upset about it? I just never really thought it was a child. So I just kind of went with like, this just isn't the right time. You know, it, it was never going to be a person, at least, you know, not in this way. So did you ever ask your sister why she was crying or talk to her about that? Um, yeah, she had also gone through an abortion before and, and she just, you know, felt horrible that, you know, I had to be 
one, awake when it was happening, and then just, like, how young I was and the whole situation in general. You know, I didn't have my necessarily my parents' support. But I, I'd always been the kind of person who was like, no, I don't need my parents or anything. I'll do it all myself. What was your relationship with your older sister like? She was like another mom, almost. She was five years older than me, and... I had had a really hard time in middle school, which is part of the reason why I went to this all-girls school to begin with. I was really bullied, and yes, everyone was just, like, horrible to me. So um, she was always there to help me and support me through that because she also had a horrible time at our public school. So, yeah, I just, thank goodness I had such a close relationship with her, or I don't know what I would have done. Um, So what was it like being 14 and living at your parents' house and keeping this, how did you keep that a secret? I don't know. I, I kind of think my parents probably knew to a certain extent and then were kind of didn't want to know. Because like I said, I was getting sick every morning, like pretty consecutively too. And then like, then I would hide that and I'd like get sick in my room before I'd go and brush my teeth. And then like the worst was the car rides because I drove to school with somebody else um, from our school and they were really religious. We were listening like the rosary every morning. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> trying not to vomit <laughs> from my out of wedlock baby. <laughs> oh so like it was just constant like shame, 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 shame. Oh man. Yeah. So I I really don't know how they didn't find out. Um, me and my parents had a very strained relationship when I was that age anyways. Jane says that as open as her parents were about their political views and their support for LGBTQ rights and abortion rights, they never really had a sex talk with her. I didn't even get a sex talk from my parents. I remember my mom picked me up from my boyfriend's house freshman year in high school, and it was, like, really late or whatever, and she had to, like, come to the door to pick me up because I didn't hear them honking. And she was, like, get, I remember getting yelled at on the way home, like, you better not be having sex. And that was pretty much the uh, extent. <laughs> oh, definitely was. Definitely was. Should have had that talk years, years before. And if her parents weren't comfortable speaking about it with her then, how could Jane bring up abortion with them? I think the hardest thing was that, I mean, it's your recovery time is like a few weeks. And having to do that without telling anybody was quite difficult. So I definitely had some complications due to it. I had extreme clotting and stuff like that. And that, it was just so uncomfortable. It You know, you have to wear this, like, diaper on you, and then, you know, like, chunks of blood are coming out. And I'm a freshman, and I, like, this is all new to me anyways, you know, I'm not... It was, I'd say, probably traumatizing, I guess, to a certain extent, and not knowing. Like, I thought I was dying. I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die right here in this bathroom. What was that like for you to be scared about your health and not be able to tell your mom, like, hey mom, I'm scared? Mm Mm-hmm. I at least had my sister to talk to. I called the doctors as soon as that happened. They said it was relatively normal. And then I just faked sick for like a week. So I didn't have to go to school and I didn't have my parents bothering me. I like pretended to throw up in the bathroom every couple hours and stuff like that and like put the heating pad on my head. I mean, I was very (laughs) good at, at that. So then at that point, I just hid my bed for, you know, a week. Jane told me she was happy to share her story because she wished something like this show existed when she was a teenager. She would have felt less alone, had more of a defensive shield against the abortion shaming that was happening at our school. 
She says she's very open about her abortion experience, but she had to remain anonymous because she's a teacher and she's afraid that being open about her abortion could cost her her job. Like I teach health class now, which is so funny to me, but I teach about abortion, even though it's not really supposed to be taught um, in school. I don't teach it as like a, I just say like there are clinics out there, you know, you kind of have to keep it very general, like I'm not really supposed to like what our, you know, science teacher would tell us, you know, this is what they're making me say. I'll be like, well, this is what they're making me say. But there are options too, you know, and if you want to further your knowledge, there are clinics. And then I make everybody look up what the closest free clinic is for them and stuff. The current standard in Massachusetts was adopted in 1999, and it allows districts to opt out of sex ed altogether or present an abstinence heavy curriculum. And different towns can uh, adopt different um, policies on that. But a majority of towns in Massachusetts are still abstinent-based. So there's no requirement to teach sex education in public schools in Massachusetts. There's also no way of knowing what the schools are teaching when they are teaching it. And while Jane claims that most towns in Massachusetts are only teaching an abstinence-based sex education program, the Boston Globe recently reported that there's actually just no way of knowing. And while 60% of Massachusetts students have had sexual intercourse by the time they're seniors in high school... Most of the respondents to the state's 2015 Youth Risk Behavior Survey said their parents never talked to them about sex. Last winter, dozens of students marched to the State House in support of a comprehensive sex ed bill in Massachusetts. But despite evidence of the benefits of comprehensive sex ed, religious conservatives who oppose abortion, premarital sex, and LGBTQ rights are fighting hard to shut it down. Which, to me, makes Jane's abortion story all the more important. We had no sex ed in high school, and it was Catholic school, so the rules would be different. But Jane had very little sex ed at her public school, too. And as we talked about before, her parents didn't teach her anything about sex either. And yet, the state tried to mandate a conversation with them about her abortion decision. That's what we'll be exploring this season on Choiceless. If parents can't or won't even talk to their kids about sex and they don't want the schools doing it either because it's just too taboo, then how can the state force a teen to talk to their parents about their abortion? Well, the media doesn't talk about teens and abortion. Stories of teens who can't involve their parents in that decision are everywhere. When civil rights lawyers in Illinois were looking to keep a parental involvement law from going into effect there, they used stories of minors seeking abortions in Massachusetts who couldn't involve their parents in their abortion decision. Stories like Jane's. Though Jane's is still kind of a best case scenario. I could just go to New Hampshire, but... If I didn't, if my sister didn't have a car or didn't have the money to pay for it, because it was without insurance, it was like $600. I was 15 years old, trying to find $600, 15 years old. And then, and then transportation and, you know, getting somebody to take you because you can't go alone. Many teens don't have as many options as she did, and they may face more difficult circumstances. For example, if those lawyers couldn't make their case in Illinois, there's no other surrounding state where teens can go to access abortion care. So anybody under 18 in Illinois would have to travel to New York to get to the nearest clinic where they could get an abortion without involving their parents. And as we know from recent history, things were going great for abortion rights around 2013. So everything was fine. Just kidding. (laughs) 
this was the time when so much anti-abortion legislation was being passed throughout the country that the Guttmacher Institute declared the entire South and most of the Midwest extremely hostile to abortion. And young people are some of the most vulnerable to all of these laws. Yet, they've remained silenced by their families, their communities, and the media. Sometimes they would start to tell me their names and I would interrupt and say, no, I don't need to know your name. In this case, you're, you're Jane Doe. Um, and I would introduce myself and say, this is how this is going to proceed. But more on that in the next episode. Choiceless is a production of Rewire.News. We're the leading nonprofit journalism outlet devoted to reporting on reproductive and sexual health rights and justice. To stay up to date with our award-winning journalism, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Choiceless is created and produced by me, Jen Stanley. Music, sound design, and mixing are by Douglas Helsel. Mark Folletti is our executive producer. Jody Jacobson is our editor-in-chief. Additional production help on this season by Lauren Gutierrez and Saskia Henneke. If you like this series, please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps more people find Choiceless. Thanks for listening.